0: Good morning and welcome to the house of the Lord. And those of you listening online, good morning to you also. We have a topical message this morning. And if I can ask you to turn up the lights, I see you guys are already on that. You know the lights are right when the shine on my head is blinding the people in the booth. This morning's message is entitled, The Lost Fear of Hell. And we'll be in Isaiah chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah chapter 1. And in a moment, we'll stand and read verses 10 through 20. I know this is a message that I am supposed to preach. And the, uh, may the Lord bless it. Would you stand, please? Beginning in verse 10. Hear the word of Yahweh, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says Yahweh? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, Who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices, incenses, and abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies I cannot endure. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Please be seated. I cannot read. <clears throat> These are the words of God trying to reach people who are insulting Him. He's trying to warn them that they're going to hell. He has sent not only Isaiah but countless other prophets to keep this from happening because of His great love for sinners. But these particular sinners had decided that they could play at church, they could pretend to come sing Christmas songs, and all the while have no intention of obeying him or listening to him. My text is the 15th verse, Isaiah, 5, uh, Isaiah chapter one, verse 15. "When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood." These are not weak believers that he is speaking to. These are belligerent people. These are those that know what his law says, know what is required of them, and they reject it. They refuse it. What happened to these people? What what caused them to behave this way, to go to the temple and to bring their sacrifices, to celebrate their Christmas and their Easter And there are the holidays and use the name of Yahweh and have no intention of obeying him whatsoever. He says, your hands are full of blood. He did not mean necessarily they were murderers of each other, but they were killers of his word, of his glory, of his love and his mercy. The people attempted to shape God into their own image. Rather than receive the revelation of who God says he is. And this is still going on. And that's why it is so heartbreaking. There is a pandemic of those in churches. That are insisting that they love Jesus. And they trample his word without shame. And the rest of us are supposed to wink at this. To accept it. To tolerate it. To bless them. And we don't. And because we don't, they think that we are their enemies. If we were their enemies, we would be cheering them on to disagree with God. At the time Isaiah wrote these words, Judah's kingdom was prosperous, economically, militarily strong. Of the four kings mentioned in verse 1, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, Four of them were godly men. They had no excuse for this behavior. You get to the second chapter. God says you're full of gold and you're full of idols. You've got a good life. As things go. But not with me. The guilty lost their fear of God. They had no fear of hell. Hell. And today we have those insisting that they are saved. They have no fear of hell, not because Jesus is their Savior, because they don't fear hell. They don't think they're going to go there for trampling his word, for disrespecting him, for pretending to be believers, for trying to transform God's word into something other than what God meant it to be. What do we do about this? I know what I do about it. This is what I have this pulpit And as the Lord leads, I try to use it the best I can to appeal to them, to rebuke, to convict, to exhort, and to love. Again, they found no problem disobeying him while going to church. They would sit, they would hear his words, and they would bounce off of them. And hell would cheer them on. There would be three cheers in hell over the soul that listens to God's rebukes and laughs in God's face. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. In reading this section of Isaiah a moment ago, I had not anticipated it being so difficult. I read it several times in my study at home. I read it several times in my office here this morning. It was no problem. I am very grateful to God, gifting me with tears, such a hard passage of scripture What makes it so hard is right now there are so many in churches doing this. There have always been some, but now again it's, it's like it's everywhere. The internet is likely contributing to this. Stay off the internet if you believe in Jesus Christ and have no discernment and no discipline. If you can't take it, stay away from it. If it's going to chase you from Jesus, don't go near it. This sermon is for those who mock God by dismissing his commandments, not the the weak who want to obey and can't find the strength. The Bible is to correct man's twisted views concerning God and himself and others. We don't get to pick and choose what sin is. We don't get to pick and choose what offends God. God tells us what offends him. He tells us what sin is. He tells us what will damn our souls. He tells us what will send us to hell. And he's not lying. The funny thing, not ha but the odd thing is, God is a loving God, but he's not a liar. And he will not lie to accommodate or cover up sin. These temple worshipers, as we're told in verse 5, were in revolt. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. So God notifies them that he is rejecting them. They're not really rejecting him. Sin unchecked makes fools of all of us. people who would otherwise be very rational, very intelligent, even wise, when their sin is not checked, they become fools. And the fate, the fate of those who lose their fear of hell, of God's judgment for this kind of behavior, the fate of losing a fear of hell is hell. Revelation 20, verse 11, here's a glimpse of What God is talking about. Then I saw a great white throne. And him who sat on it. From whose face the earth. And the heaven. Fled away. And there was found no place for them. These are the guilty ones. That rejected the love and. Care of. Jesus Christ. The day will come when they will stand before him. And be rejected and be doomed to a hell without appeal. Without another chance. You say, what what are you saying that I get one chance? You get one lifetime of chances. What are you going to do with it? Satan's a predator. He hates every single one of you. And if he could send you to where he's going, to that abyss, he will do it. And if you don't believe it, you've lost your fear of hell. And penitent sinners have long tried to take the shame out of sin... As though it will protect them from God's judgment. Attempts to avoid God's restrictions and consequences are futile. Cain, who John tells us in his first letter, was of the wicked one. He killed his brother because his brother was righteous and his works were righteous. And he murdered him. And when God confronted him about it, he got sassy with God. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. Then Yahweh said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to watch out for him? Well, you didn't mind killing him. But you see, he's not ashamed of his sin. He's not afraid that God is going to deal with him for this. God was later merciful towards Cain. But in the end, Cain is judged. See? No shame, no pity, but no escaping God. Cain had no shame, no pity, but he could not escape God. God seeks those who side with him. He wants us to be on his side. When we come to his scripture, he wants us to read it and not dismiss it. And if you're saying, you know what, I'm so sick of hearing, I'm going to tune you out right now, then you've lost your fear of hell and that's where you're going. It's not a joke. It's not something you turn off when you're tired of listening or hearing it. You can do that to the preacher. You cannot do that to God and get away with it. When Moses confronted the people who were full-blown into their sin, we're told Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on Yahweh's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. He's still saying that through the Holy Spirit, through his prophets, through his pastors, through his people. If you're on God's side, come to him. But stop this going to church. Stop this claiming you're a Christian while you thumb your nose at his commandments. And stop thinking you're going to get away with it. And stop thinking that you're going to somehow be okay. Because you're not. The very definition of hell is, man, you will not survive this. Lies about hell come easy to those who want to do what they want to do. Satan has a plan for your life. Do you believe that or not? If you refuse God, Satan has a plan for you. He wanted Eve to change her interpretation of what God said. He wanted her to disagree with the clear meaning of God's commandment. Don't eat from this tree. There was nothing complicated about that. It was not in a foreign language. It was only one language. To this day, Satan is pulling the same move. Oh, that verse doesn't mean that. Oh, you can do this. Oh, it's okay. We expect this kind of stuff from the devil. We don't expect it from people who say, I'm a Christian and it's okay to change what the Scripture says. They're not only in our universities and seminaries, they're in the workplace, they're all over the place. They love the internet. I almost never read what Christians have to say on the internet. Too many fall for it. Satan sways those who refuse the word. Luke's gospel... And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. Well, he's still doing this. Then Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. Let me say, if you are a church goer, and I know that I'm not only speaking to those here in the church building right now. I know that there are those online and I know there will be those listening on radio at some point or listening in the future to the recorded messages. I have no single individual in mind. This sermon is the outcome of several conversations I've had with different people over the last couple of months. And it has just been pressing on my heart, pressing on my heart. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. How does faith fail? When you start to disagree with God. When you tell him you know better. When you think that you can trample his word, that you can empower those who hate him and get away with these things, you're not walking on water. You're walking on thin ice. Jesus said, And when you have returned, strengthen your brethren. See, that's the goal of the preacher to preach these things so that we can be stronger. I have a deep suspicion that many of you know someone like this who gets up in your face and tells you they're believers. And you know they're not behaving like believers and have no intention of behaving like believers and yet they want you to be sucker enough to not rebuke them. And they will hate you for rebuking them because the devil, his talons are in them. And the only way to get them out is to stand strong, to preach the word. They don't even want to hear you say you love them anymore. They just want you to bow down and agree. Again, First John chapter 5, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Then why are churchgoers running to the world to ask them how they should live when the Bible clearly says that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one? They are expanding immunity. They're saying you don't have to worry about a judgment. You are immune from the consequence of trampling God's words. As if it's going to stop his judgment. When Paul stood before Felix, Luke writes, Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. History does not record Felix calling for Paul and repenting of his sin. He didn't like the message. He was uncomfortable with the thought of self-control. He'd rather self-delusion than self-control. He didn't want to hear about righteousness according to God. He did not want to hear about judgment to come. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, he will come and he will convict the world of judgment or of sin in judgment. He will convict the world of sin. He will find them guilty. And they will have no appeal. When the fear of hell is lost, so will be that soul. If they do not change course, if they do not come out of this. And I, I think that many of us are noticing, Rather, we may not be registering it or able to articulate it, but maybe this morning I'll help you with this. Maybe you'll understand that you, you, you're coming across people Who really have not the fear of God. Which is the beginning of knowledge. And therefore they have no fear of his judgment. And they're playing games with their words. And we may be their last stop before eternal death. We may be. The single. Most helpful. Individual. In the world. If we can stand strong. Preach the truth in love. And not back down. 2 Corinthians 4, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age has blinded them. That's Satan. And the people who are blinded by him, they don't believe he's doing it. But you say that you do see, that you do see the gospel, that you do love Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John's gospel, chapter 9, Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains on you. You want to claim to be a beneficiary of the gospel of Jesus Christ while you disagree with the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of the gospel, that you want to cherry pick it. You want to edit out what you don't like. You want to tell God what is good and what is not good then you will not benefit from the blood of Jesus Christ. But the wrath of God will be upon you. I want instant results from this sermon. I want the guilty to stand and repent and get right with God instantly. I don't want them to go home and think about it. Because Satan will intercept them. But maybe he's done such a thorough job on them, they don't want to give me the satisfaction of repenting. You know, many people are like that. They want to stick it to somebody else because they're not getting it right and they refuse to line up with what is right and so they're going to stick it to you. Persecute you in some form. Punish you in some way. I get it often. Wow, we don't like that church. Sometimes it may be legitimate but sometimes they don't want to hear what God has to say and I'll be their whooping boy. And I'll take that. And you need to learn to do the same thing. If you're not already doing it. I want the guilty to stand up and repent before God. Peter, in his sermon, he pressed them for a confession. He said, repent therefore and be converted. Turn around and convert to Christ. That your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You know what they say to that today? Those who don't fear hell. Well, I have repented. Well, I'm really not sinning. They're going back to Eden and they're letting Satan tell them what the scriptures mean, what God's words mean, not God. Eve was not listening to what God said when she was listening to what Satan said. Otherwise, she never would have partaken of the banana. (laughs) I'm giving you all this scripture because I want you to hear God say it from his word. And if you go down that whole boring line, well, I don't know that it is all God's boring. It's such an old, weak alibi. It doesn't work. Too much of it has proven trustworthy. And too much of everything else has proven untrustworthy. So we've gotten past that, I hope. Professed Christians yet still insisting they love the Lord, but... They are at the very least, those who confess, they say they love him, but don't care to obey him. They are at the very least confused about his commandments. And at the most, they are corrupting his commandments to fit their sin. We understand, we Christians, the urge of sin, temptation, seduction. We're not foreigners to this. We sympathize. We, un- we get that. We are all subject to it. That's why we pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. It's not that we don't understand, it's that we do understand. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. And what they do, and the actions that they take, and the side that they side with, they profess that they don't know God, and that they don't want to. This is burdening, because Satan is on your back. You are his little target. He's just going to slap you around until death. And then you get as your reward a hell that you didn't believe in. There needs to be the fear, not the terror, but the fear of God in all of us. All of us. When we talk about the holiness of God, are we understanding we are saying we are really talking about take the sandals off your feet? The ground you stand on is not like anything else. It is pure and it's clean because God said so. Because God is there. And there they are out singing Christmas carols. And telling you Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Isaiah 1, 5, 1 chapter 1 verse 15. Again our text. When you spread out your hands I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. I'm not listening to you. You're not mine. You think you're mine. That's why you're talking to me. But I'm not listening because you've demonstrated that you will not submit. A half-baked faith is a ruined faith. Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned. Ephraim was up in the north. They had joined the world. They weren't doing what Yahweh said. They were doing what all the pagans were doing. They were worshiping their idols. They were practicing idolatry and all the filth that went with it with abandonment, with no shame. And God sent them prophets and Hosea was one. And the voice of Hosea was this, you're breaking my heart. God speaking through the the man, through his own life. And then he says, Ephraim is a cake unturned. You just cooked on one side. You're not done. You're not right. You're not edible. You're beneath what you... Are supposed to be. Or you're not what you're supposed to be. My intentions are not malicious towards those deceived. If there's someone here this morning. And you're falling for Satan's stupidity. I'm not trying to be malicious towards you. But I am trying to be malicious towards the influences of Satan himself. And we make enemies that way. The Bible tells us that we will make enemies that way. When swinging for you, I'm going for your heart. I want you to know you're missing out on the love of Christ and the life in Christ. But also, I'm swinging for I'm taking headshots at Satan. Proverbs 15 12. A scoffer does not love the one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. Why not? Because they know the wise are going to set them straight, and they don't want to be set straight, they want their evil. And this is why God says, I'm not listening to you. I don't want any, no more of your sacrifices, your new moons, your festive day. Go, those are holidays that God instituted with his people. And he's saying, I'm not taking it from you. You can go and you can say Merry Christmas all you want. I'm not listening. Because you're not listening to me. God's word is a hammer on the guilty conscience. And which is one reason why many don't want to come to a church that preaches God's word. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Is not my word like fire, says Yahweh? Like a hammer that breaks rock in pieces. That's a heavy hammer. That's a sledgehammer, 20-pounder. It's called a Monday. Well, in, in the... All right, never mind. You'll only have yourself to blame if you don't listen to me. Preach the word... I mean, you don't have to listen to my opinion about everything else, but when it comes to if the word of God, if the word be true, and you don't listen to whatever messenger is presenting it to you, you're in trouble. I preach this because Satan is preaching to you. He's preaching to our youth, and we are living in an age where our females are more susceptible to this, this seemingly, than ever. Just like Eve, they're quick to take the fruit. They're quick to disagree with God and agree with Satan. Though they don't think it's Satan. It's just a shiny little serpent. Not even a serpent at that time. just a shiny thing. All that glitter ain't gold. Look at verse 18 of Isaiah chapter 1. If you still have your Bibles marked for Isaiah 1. Here's God's response. Come now, let us reason together, says Yahweh, though your sins are like scarlet. That means really bad. They shall be as white as snow. That's really good. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool in the midst of God's judgment. He's saying, look, I'm trying to reach you. What do I have to do? Die for you on a cross? Okay, I'll do that. And then you thumb your nose at him. Because you think God is too stupid to see you doing these things. Because you don't believe in hell. The fear of hell is gone from you. And you resent that the righteous still fear it. This keeps up the editing of scripture. If it's tolerated, if it's not addressed and confronted when when realized it's taking place, it will spread like leaven. It will wipe out a whole church. It will wipe out a whole denomination. If a little leaven leavens the lump, what does a lot of leaven do? First Corinthians chapter five, there were those in that church that were in blatant sin without shame. And they were patting themselves on the back. Yeah, we've got them over here. This one's doing that. This one's yeah, but we love them. And Paul writes to them. He says, your glorying is not good. First Corinthians five, six. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? You're killing yourselves. You put a little poison in and it's going to poison the whole thing. Because Lebanon in scripture, of course, is corruption. The corruption that kills, that damn souls. God intended Israel to be a channel, a blessing to the nations. Isaiah 1 tells us that that wasn't happening. At this time, they were not blessing the nations. The nations were corrupting them. So they couldn't be useful to God. Because they wouldn't repent. And this is the same way with many today. They won't be useful to God because they won't repent. Because of their sin. And because of their sin here in Isaiah chapter 1, as we're told in verse 5, he says, why should you be stricken again? They were, the judgment was starting on them. He addressed them as Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the leaders were Sodom and the people were Gomorrah. That was a charge and it was a sentence at the same time. God was trying to uh, reach them is this what you want? is this had, uh, let's just understand is this what you want? Do you want to be on their side or my side? Pick sin as an accepted lifestyle was what they chose. Again, the loss that lost fear of hell. it flips your priorities. Now I've said this a lot from the pulpit. I'm not the only one that's ever said it, but the Christian life moves by fact, faith, and feeling in that order. If you flip that over and you put feelings first, then you're going to be doing it the devil's way. If your feelings are running the ship, you're going to shipwreck. That is not a possibility, that is a fact. Our faith is built on fact, on truth. Not just because we, we never leap, just take a leap in the dark. We leap into the light. The lost, again, have this, when you lose the fear of hell, your priorities are gone. You don't understand what's important to God. The meaning of the cross. Outreach is ruined. Truth is not there any longer. You're entangled. You're in error. You're distracted, and you're in sin. Paul warned Timothy, he says, listen, is very tempted to get entangled in all these causes that are out there. Don't do it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No one entangled in warfare, pardon me, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Would I want. Someone hearing a sermon like this to say, fine, I'm not going to play games anymore. I'm going to renounce Christ. I don't want anyone to renounce Christ. And if you do something as silly as that, your judgment is sure and on you. Again, I want them to repent. And I want them to repent right away. As they tried to play God for a fool at the temple... Here in Isaiah 1 and in other parts of Israel's history, we see them doing it in churches. We, they did it in the New Testament church when the apostles were still alive. Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, Christ speaking to a church, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and to eat things strangled to idol, idols. She's in there, holding seminars on how to go against what God says in the church and they're tolerating it. Nobody wanted to speak up. Nobody wanted to hurt anyone's feelings with the truth. When moral commandments become secondary to other concerns, you've lost your sense of what hell is all about and people going there. Because now you're fighting some other cause. When, God, when Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? It's about the soul. You want to send them to hell first class? That's not God's way. That's Satan's way. And many Christians are doing just that. When they meet somebody, they're not interested in saving a soul. They're not interested in exalting Christ. They're interested in other things first. First. What they feel, what they enjoy, what they have decided is most important. I think sometimes they don't know that this is taking place. I think other times they don't care. It is disturbing, it is alarming to see Christians confused in the voting booth. When the agendas are stark, they're night and day. There's no gray at this point. It is that clear and to empower those who hate Jesus Christ and the church that He bought with His blood, it ain't going to go well for you. You're fighting God. You're siding with His enemies. I've preached on, uh, or I mentioned it Sunday, I guess I sh- uh, Wednesday, Second Chronicles 19, when Jehu, the good king, came back from surviving the battlefield with, a, with an evil king because he wanted to make an alliance. He thought he knew better than God. And the prophet confronted him. Jehu went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate Yahweh? Therefore, the wrath of Yahweh is on you. It's pretty severe. You can't look at that and say, see, God didn't really care what, he, what they were doing. It didn't matter the king loved God. Jehoshaphat did love Yahweh. But he was sinning. And the prophet sent, was sent to correct him. And he corrected it. And I won't go the same way with Asa, another king. The first time, he received the blessings. The second time, well, and I'll hopefully come to that in a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. We'll bookmark that thought. But the point I'm making is moral commandments are not to be secondary to other things. And this is why we have people empowering wicked people, evil people, in the voting booth because some other thing is more important to them than the morality of heaven. They missed a good fight. The fight that Christ died for. Proverbs chapter 14, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its way leads to death. I think a lot of the, a lot of Christians, oh, and I'm not going to say Christians, I think a lot of professing Christians who are trampling the commandments of God while insisting they love the Lord, I think that uh, they know it's wrong. But nobody is standing up to them. No one is saying, you can't do that. I don't care what books you read, I don't care what degree you have, I don't care what school you went to, I don't care what church you go to, I don't care how much you pray, how much you fast, how much you tithe. If you are going against God's word, you are against God. It's not complicated. 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called. And have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What is the good confession? That means you're honoring what God says. You're pursuing truth. Is this sinking in? Or is Satan plucking up the seeds and snatching them away? Is it sinking in? Are you, are you so far gone, you can't be reached? And then, I'm the bad guy. I can weep over this. I can be firm. And it doesn't matter what I do or anybody else. Your heart is set on hell because you don't believe The righteousness of God. Matthew 13, 7. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them out. The seed, which is the word of God. The lost fear of hell. So let's look at the scripture on this subject. Because hell is ready, and it is excited to receive you. The churchgoers who claim Christ. Isaiah 14, verse 9 Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. Now this is concerning the king of Babylon and it expands into Satan, but the the point is made. It is illustrated for us. God says hell has made room for you. It has renovated itself so there'll be enough space for you. Isaiah 5, verse 14. Therefore Sheol, which is death, has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he who is jubilant shall descend into it. You you catch that? They're going to hell and they're happy. Because they don't believe in hell. They don't have a fear of hell. Paul asks, he says, how how shall they believe in him? How how shall they call upon him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? He's reasoning with them. He says, this is a real war. And speaking God's word is the way to win. one, One of the ways we win this war. The lost fear of hell is a very real and serious thing. Jesus Christ is sovereign and to be obeyed. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. I hold the keys of those things that pertain to the end of this life and death in spiritual life. I own it. The psalmist said, I don't want to go to the same place as sinners go. Hell has a place for people like Stalin. Stalin killed over forty million of his own people, and that's probably a conservative estimate. He 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 planned famines to kill his own people. The man was diabolical. God has a place for people like that. It's called hell. And the psalmist in Psalm nine, he writes, "He who corrects." Well, pardon me. That's Proverbs nine. Where's my verse? Yeah. Psalm 26, verse 9, the psalmist says, Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men. That's, the, the saint is one that's separated. That's not like everybody else. Or maybe I'm speaking to the dead fish. Will the dead fish please raise their hand? They're just going to go downstream with the world. They're going to do whatever the world says, and they're going to block out anybody who dares come against them. This is what we're up against. And this fight is worth it. You have a parent or a coworker, You have a child. You have anybody in your life that has no fear of hell. That is a fight for you. Um, as the Lord directs, of course. Because you can't fight them all. they are just too many. You wouldn't be able to eat. You'd be so busy praying for everybody. You'd pass out from <laughs> being famished. If you don't fear, fear hell, it is because you don't fear God. Luke chapter 12, verse 5. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him whom, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. I'd love to come up here and just preach nice things about the holiness of God, the beauty of the Lord. And there are, are times for that. This just ain't it. Those who refuse to listen to God's word, the Bible says they're stupid. Proverbs 12, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Now, if you were to say, Lord, do you mean that to those people that hear the gospel and reject it? Do you think he's going to say no? It's not rational. That's why he says here, come, let's reason then. you will give you a chance to not be stupid. Unless, that's, unless you insist. Warning these types of churchgoers irks them a lot. Proverbs 9, 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. So the Proverbs saying, you know, you try to point it out. And they're going to turn on you. Then there is selective ignorance. Which brings great consequence. Hosea chapter 4 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will forget your children. That's, now the context is even deeper than what I'm reading. He's saying to them as a people, you're so useless to me because you, you just have this ignorance when it comes to holiness and righteousness and you refuse correction. Well, when I was preparing, I said, Lord, there just so many verses. I could go on. I edited out so much from Jeremiah. So many things. I'll, I'll button the recital of scriptures and start closing it up with this. Daniel chapter 12. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's contempt without an end. From God himself. and God says, I'll tell you what I'm looking for. Isaiah 66 six two. But on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite heart or spirit. Who trembles at my word. Who trembles at my word. But if you have no fear of hell, you're not going to tremble at God's word. God likes the way some believers think. And all believers should want him to like, should put us in that category. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. No, don't listen to that, please. Go to the internet, get your theology there. Do what the world tells you on the internet. Follow people on the internet who aren't following God and don't want you to follow God. Satan is using them as his vehicle of hatred against God. And if you are going to lie down and let him walk over it, guess what? You're going to be walked over. And in the end, what do you get? Hell. Those in hell remember they're wrong. When Jesus gave the story about the rich man and Lazarus, the only story that he gave a name, and two names as a matter of fact, When the rich man was appealing to Abraham to have mercy on him, Abraham said, sorry, there's a big gap between us. Can't do anything about this. It's fixed. And then Abraham said, Luke chapter 16, verse 25. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime. That's all I need to read. He said, remember, you know what you did wrong and it's with you forever. Second Thessalonians chapter one verse nine: These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. But the unbeliever says, "I don't think God has that right. He doesn't have the right to hold me accountable. He doesn't have the right to make things uh, illegal or sinful. He God needs to just shut up and give me what I need." And that's not how it goes. They don't change their attitude. So Jesus said, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth as they're judged. What does that mean? He says, Matthew 25, verse 30, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The, the gnashing of teeth is anger. It's anger towards God. How dare you? How dare you judge me? I say, going to hell. There will be no more, no rocks or mountains to hide them, fall upon them. Just the judgment. One of the greatest woes of hell for the impenitent man is that he will be rendered absolutely irrelevant. You think you have a problem now with esteem and how other people think of you and what's going on? You wait to see what happens when you get to hell. You won't count, you won't matter. No one there will. C.S. Lewis makes this comment, the ultimate aim of hell is to get a man's soul and give him nothing in return. You see why it's hard to read what God is saying from the scripture about those who are rejecting him? You don't want this to happen to anyone. Proverbs says, he who is often rebukes hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. I'm tired of you correcting me. I'm tired of hearing the preaching. See, that's hardening the heart. Stiffening the net. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. I'm going to close with this. God reaching out to Asa the king. Asa was doing things that uh, reduced God. So the Lord sent his messenger to speak to him. It's the father of Uh, Jehu went to speak to Jehoshaphat. And he goes out to confront him. And he says, The eyes of Yahweh run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison. For he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Asa died a miserable death, incidentally. He was started out with such potential to be righteous. But he drifted from God more and more. Until finally he's making deals with godless people and trusting them and his deals and not God. And when God comes out and says, listen, God is looking for people to serve him. He's looking for them. Be one of them, Asa. Be one of the ones that God is looking for. But Asa refused. He got angry at him for daring to stand up to him and tell him what God wanted. So he persecuted him. Because other things were more important. The morality of heaven didn't matter to him. The thus saith the Lord does not count as much as I want to do this. Well, that's all I've got to say about that. Except one last note before it's too late, before it gets to the place where your pastor can't help you, or your friends, your children, your parents, before it, gets, before it comes to no one can help you, repent. Tell God that you are sorry for that behavior, that you're going to fix it, that you're going to act upon His Word, that you're going to stand up for righteousness with more strength than you've been standing up for unrighteousness. Do you notice that the people who stand up for evil put a lot of energy into that stance? God says, why can't you just redirect that into righteousness? Why can't you be useful? Why can't you be saved and come join me in heaven with his joy forevermore? Is it that you don't believe in hell? Have you lost the fear of hell? If you don't get it back, I can't get you back. Let's pray. Our Father, it's so heartbreaking to know that anyone would hear the truth and reject it. It is also heartbreaking to hear those who hear the truth and want to just take what they want and leave the rest behind and insist that they're fine and demand that the rest of us accept it, accept that, that kind of behavior. Lord, I lift up to you any who may be here this morning, whether listening online or watching online or in the church, those who may hear the message at some time in the future. If there are any that are listening who have been living against God, demanding that they be counted among the saints when they refuse to separate from the world, if, if this is you, just encourage you to repent. To come up at the end of the service to the pastors and say, I repent. I want to be right with God. I don't want to go to hell. I want the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. I do not want to be held in contempt in an everlasting hell. And now, Father, if anyone has made this prayer in their heart just now, may they act upon it at the end of service when they are again given a chance to get right with you. We commit these things into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.